Welcome back to Words from the Woods, a Trails Rock podcast. We have had some amazing guests the last few weeks for Women's History Month, and we're going to continue that today. We are joined today by Dr. Elizabeth Lenz from SUNY Brockport, or as we informally know her, Liz. Liz is a runner, a mom of three beautiful children, an advocate for getting kids outside, a great friend, and today she'll wear her hat as an educator. Liz earned her bachelor's degree in nutrition and fitness from the University of Missouri. She went on to earn her master's degree in adult fitness and cardiac rehab from Ball State University, and finally earning her PhD in kinesiology from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Currently, Dr. Lenz is an associate professor at SUNY Brockport teaching courses in exercise testing, nutrition for sport, exercise physiology, women in sports, and more. She is a fierce advocate for getting outside time, and more importantly, she is one part of the team Me, Shmi, and V, which we will touch on a little bit later today. I'm excited to take a back seat again today as we learn and continue to celebrate local women in our sport. Today's song that brings us in, aptly titled, The Racing Butterfly. Let's get to it. All right, we're live. We're here with uh, Liz, or as her students might call her, Dr. Lenz. Welcome. We're glad to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's my first podcast. First podcast, but not, not the first time hanging out together. So we're no. going to just make it about hanging out with friends. So I'm going to turn it back over to Sheila as we continue with our Women's History Month celebration. And um, Sheila and Liz can take it from here. Hey everybody, it's Sheila, and I am really excited to be here with my good friend, Liz. Um, Liz and I have been friends, well, Liz and her husband, Kevin, and Eric and I have been friends for a really long time. Um, I feel like it's been a long time. It's been my whole time here. It's true. So um, talk a little bit about how we first met. Well, before we met, <laughs> I moved here by myself, and I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was in a new city. So I thought, ah, I'd been running in grad school. Maybe I'll do a running group. And I Googled. So I found MedVeds trail runs. And I remember being in some park somewhere in this group run, listening to this guy with this hashtag trails ROC shirt and being like, <laughs> what is this? And he's talking about how he broke up a dog fight. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I just saw that on the news. Is that that guy? Like, I remember going home, calling Kevin at the time who hadn't moved here yet and be like, I saw this, I saw this guy who was on TV. Like, that's so crazy. He's so famous. But you know, I was a little, a little shy sometimes on the trail. So I didn't really like say hi or whatever. I just kind of listened to their conversation while we ran. And then fast forward another trail run. Um, I, Kevin came up with our dog and it was the dog who sparked the conversation the with Eric and Sheila. And that and was the rest it. Is history. 10 Marley, years, 11 years together. later. I can't it. believe it's been that long. So anyway, so Liz, um, has been a part of Eric's in my life for a very long time. Um, and I am excited because I was actually thinking about this today that for like as long as we've known each other, I feel like we really don't talk about what you do at work a ton. Um, and so I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your professional life because you're a doctor, which is really, really cool. Or funny. I don't know. <laughs> 
So talk to us a little bit about your degrees. How did you, um, I guess, how did you start off? I think in kind of the lost student fashion a little bit, I started off at one school, had to transfer and didn't really know what to do. I kind of struggled with the freshman 15, you know, went home over that first holiday break, had the like, hey, remember when we used to exercise conversation with a parent or two? <laughs> also the, maybe you're not doing too well in school, maybe you should move closer to home conversation. And was like, ah, what should I do now? So I literally got out like the alphabetical list of degrees. <laughs> and found nutrition and fitness because it would help me. So a little selfishly there. And from that point, just got involved in college activities and interning at a hospital and cardiac rehab and kind of thinking, huh, this fitness and helping people get better through more holistic ways might be the path that I take. And, you know, just kind of with the colleagues at the hospital, what do you need to work in, you know, the field of cardiac rehab? You know, you got to go to grad school. Okay, where did you go? Mm -hmm. And just kind of applied to schools. Um, so I ended up at Ball State, which has a deep history in exercise physiology and cardiac rehab. And then after those couple of years, I also didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> and an opportunity fell from an alumni, like, hey, I need a PhD student. And I was like, I don't really want to go to work yet. So I'll just <laughs> so continue on school. with my education. Yeah. Um, and it was in kinesiology, but has more of a, an exercise physiology twist to it, which mm -hmm. is kind of under the umbrella of kinesiology and the physical activity sense. And we just did a lot of work with older adults and just encouraged movement and how it impacted their health. Cool. So for people that don't know, what is kinesiology? Kind of the study of human movement. And then there's a bunch of subcategories. So you could have a background in kinesiology and study motor development, motor learning, and sports psychology falls under there, and exercise science, so how when you exercise, your body changes for the better, mm -hmm. um, or if you don't exercise, how that could negatively impact your body. Cool. And were these, it, it sounds like maybe exercise and like movement was part of your life growing up then? Kind of. I wasn't the most I know my path here. I work with a lot of students who are great athletes and just knew exactly what they mm -hmm. wanted to do. And I, that wasn't me. Um, <laughs> I participated in a lot of, you know, soccer and, you know, volleyball and yeah. basketball, but I was never very talented in those sports, so to speak. So, um, I so remember like my parent, my dad always exercised. So I, kind of knew like it was really important to be healthy. Right. Uh, I just wasn't necessarily like an athlete. It sounds like you were though. That's a lot of sports to play. You had a wide breadth of exposure, exposure. maybe exposure. Yeah. And not didn't go like very deep into any particular sport. Um, when did running become a big thing for you? Graduate school. Yeah. So at Ball State in my cohort, there was like a really good volleyball player and runners. Mm -hmm. And I was like the oddball. So it was kind of <laughs> like, if you don't run, what are you going to do? And yeah. these were your friends, your family, your work colleagues. And I remember my first run with um, my friend early and she ran her whole life, really good runner. And I barely lasted eight minutes. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is the heart, like, this is really hard. I yeah. kind of tried running in college, but 
I was too lazy. Um, but that kind of sparked my first half marathon, the Indy Mini 500. And I started trying some trail runs in Indianapolis and then continued on through grad school. Yeah. And now you're an ultra marathoner. Like seven years ago. <laughs> it still counts. We're working towards that again. Yeah. That's, that'll I was be, just going to be my 40th birthday goal, maybe. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that. Um, so I know you're saying that you didn't have like a clear path to getting where you are now. Um, but what would you say draws you to this field now? I think now it's just passing on the knowledge and information to my students who are the ones that are going to be out there pounding the ground, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think I probably didn't value all that education when I was in it right. um, as much as I do now in terms of passing it forward and just, again, using exercises, medicine, um, you know, discussing nutrition and how that complements exercise and vice versa and leading healthy lifestyles and regardless of your age or your fitness level. Yeah. Um, there's benefits for that. And it's interesting to hear that you worked with maybe older patients with cardiac rehab, and now you're working with young students. I'm assuming most of them yes. are young. I mean, I'm sure you have a mix, yes. but do you have a preference? Um, I think it's, I guess it's just different when you're working mm -hmm. in the field with older adults they really value what you're telling them. Maybe mm -hmm. they had an event take, you know, take place or they're, I don't know. They, they just really, really want your help and they listen to you and they trust you most right. of the time. Um, they make you their family, makes you feel good, all of those things, which is really exciting and kind of gives you the warm and fuzzies. And then with students, it's fun to watch them evolve. Like I sometimes get the freshmen in their like first semester at Brockport. Mm -hmm. And then I see them their junior and senior year and see that evolution of knowledge occur and their passion yeah. um, grow. And then I hear back from them after they graduate when they're like, I don't know, a physical therapy, therapist at University of Rochester are strong. And right. it's neat to see that like full circle and know that maybe you inspired them to continue on or to help others. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's really cool. So one of the classes you talk about that we wanted to talk a little bit about today is you are teaching a women in sports class. And so I am curious, what is that class all about? And how did it come about? How it came about? I'm not 100% sure. I think it's been taught at SUNY Brockport for a very long time. Okay. Um, I got the opportunity to teach the class for the first time last year in the fall. My colleague and I, um, we both tackled it. Mm -hmm. And we were both a little, I think, apprehensive. It's not necessarily our background, being a historian in sport right. or a philosopher of sport. But it was very... I'm constantly learning in that class, which I guess, I don't know, I've not always been a big like, yes, I'm a woman, but I've not really dived into our history, so to speak. Right, right. Um, so I'm constantly learning and exposing students to just how we came to where we are now. So we start mm -hmm. with, you know, 1900s history and how um, men ruled the world and then <laughs> how 
pretty much until we got the right to vote. And then women fought for getting jobs and getting an education and then Title IX happening, which just had their 50th anniversary and just exposing students to mm -hmm. that. Because I think nowadays students can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter who they identify as, but they can play any sport that they want. They right. can go to college if they want. They can go and get a trade if they want. They just have to apply right, right. Um, for the most part, if you have access to that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this class talks about how it wasn't always like that right. and how even 50 years later, we're still fighting for equal pay. You know, women's soccer and hockey right. just had those things. Surfing's working for equal pay now. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about how there's still firsts occurring for women right. in the sports realm. Right. That's... Um, Jen, Lacey, and I, when Jen was on a few weeks ago, we talked a lot about just how wild it is, like, to really think about how new women's roles, not just in sports, but just in society and life, um, have really evolved recently. I mean, it, it feels like it's so long ago, and then it's like, it's not really, it's like our grandparents and parents, you know, right. are the ones that kind of saw a lot of those big changes. You mentioned Title IX. Can you talk a little bit about what Title IX is? is yeah so it's 37 words i'm going to recite them because i think that's really important and to be honest many people don't know what title nine is yeah. unless you have a really good hr department <laughs> or in my case at suny brockport you read bathroom stalls um but oh, title really? title nine essentially is no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex which is the big part of this be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So Title IX kind of came about, um, there was a woman at an East Coast college who wanted a job. She was a graduate student, but kept getting denied okay. because she was a woman. And she started to look into why is this happening? You know, we have all these other uh, historical things going on where people have more equal opportunity, but right. why can't I get a job? Oh, wait, and why can't I also get an education or other women in the U.S.? And she found a loophole in the law and pretty much they created this uh, Title IX kind of fit in this education bill and then eventually at least in the class that I teach sport kind of got sucked into it not necessarily done to ensure that women get access to sport in the beginning um, but that's kind of how at least universities and things have started have to kind started of take it and shift it um, when did title nine come about in 1972, it was passed. So okay. the 50th anniversary was last June, I think June 27th, maybe. Okay. And that's like we were just saying, like, it's just so wild. 1972 is parents, you know, mm -hmm. our parents um, came up through this. And that, that is not long ago, you no. know, for, the, for these changes to be made. So Title IX is like really an impactful thing. Um, you mentioned that it's in the bathroom. Bathrooms? Right, because it covers, and what I've been learning is it, at least at the college level, it covers and supports students who feel like they're discriminated against. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, it's, uh, what word am I looking for? 
um, sexual assault, um, significant others, abuse, stalking is a big one um, on campus, and it gives them a place to go Mm. and feel safe. Okay. Where before Title IX, women were treated however they were treated, and if you felt like you were treated unfairly, you had no voice. So Title IX gives you a voice to stand up for yourself, a place that can protect you, at least on college campuses, mm-hmm. and they can provide you help and support that you may need. Right, right. So going back to your women in sports class, um, do you have mostly women enrolled in that class, or would you say that it's a pretty good mix? Is Actually, it an elective? it is an elective. It falls okay. under our general education or a class you could take to fulfill gen eds, I guess. Okay. Um, last semester, even this semester, I bet you I have less than 10 women out of over 20 students. So it's really, I think it's eye-opening from female side of the house because you might not even realize like Title IX can protect you if you ever needed it. Right, right. Or, you know, it allowed you to get an education today in 2023 where without it, you probably you would not be able to have just yeah. had your high school degree and moved on um but definitely more men and i'm not i think sometimes it's because it's a gen ed and it covers certain mm-hmm. things so that you take it but it's really interesting for them to or to see the light bulbs go off for them and be like holy cow i didn't realize that my mom or my grandma or my great grandma had to go through that right or didn't or that's why my grandma or great grandma didn't Right. further their education you know what that's why they always talked about how they wish they could have been a lawyer well they didn't have access to becoming a lawyer right right um or going to further their education if that was something they're interested in and we do this one activity that i borrowed from one of my colleagues uh, where they interview someone from before 1972 and someone after they talk about their experiences and you know oh it's a paper I don't want to write a paper and then afterwards reading the paper students open up and they're like this was amazing I had no idea right and I talked to my grandparents really for the first time and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh my mom is a coach and she coaches in college and she talked about her struggle. I had no idea that she was one of the only few female coaches in that sport and that it was hard for her to find a job and hard for her to be accepted and, you know, foster this relationship with maybe family or friends and the realization that it was difficult for women to break through and it still is difficult for them in some respects. Yeah. We were just, Eric and I were just discussing this the other night. I think, was it a soccer player? who, or was it NFL, that tweeted something about women refs and it got released. It was a, a coach, I think. It was a coach that said something, um, but it was just like super Oh, it was Cla- Claudio Reyna from U.S. Soccer. I'm like, I thought it was soccer. Yeah. Where he complained about having a female ref at his son's game and that if we want to fix what's going on with the officiating, we need to get some real, real refs, a.k.a. men. And that was like right in the email like that. Yeah. And so it just leaked, but it's just like, you know, it's exciting to see how much things have changed. And then also there's still these moments. I mean, the NFL just had one of their first female refs, I think, and you know, you see it on the screen and it's surprising, 
you right. know? And it's like so sad because I feel like I'm relatively progressive and like that shouldn't surprise me, but it still is just like a really shocking thing to see women in sports, which is really sad, but it's exciting at the same time that right. things are moving. In the yeah. Right I think it, it's sad when you think about that. I think it's like 40% of all sports are participated by women and right. you see one female ref um, or women just became or could be refs in the world cup last year for the first time right. for men and but they don't get the support that you think that they should have right you just you need to know the game and you need to know well to be a ref so it shouldn't matter what right. you look like to fulfill that role yeah yeah, it's really, I don't know, it's interesting to just see how things are changing, but also all of the room for growth that exists. Um, so we talked a little bit about how many men versus women are taking your class. What about in your actual field of study and in your program? Would you say that um, you work in more of a male-dominated industry or? I think I... I did some Googling. I think in general, it's a 50-50 split. I think in academia, it's becoming more balanced. You know, there's always kind of this old boys club mm -hmm. that ran things and got, you know, our field started as early as the 1920s. Um, and as those people, you know, only took in male graduate students and right. then they only took in male graduate students and then luckily someone took in a woman. Mm -hmm. um, we actually just had, there's a woman in Rochester that was one of the first exercise physiologists um, at Ohio State. Oh, wow. And, you know, she ended up teaching at SUNY Brockport, who okay. then hired Another my colleague who's soon to be retired. And when you look at our major of exercise science, there's one, two, three of us and three men. Okay. And then our department is really big and we have a lot of female representation or mm -hmm. women represented in our department. And I can't say that that's across, across the, the country, yeah. but I think just more access to higher education means that we're going to have more women participate in degrees like exercise science. Yeah. Well, and um, women lifting each other up, right? So right. And you get you into know, a position and then you pull up a, another person. Right, advocating for that spot. Right, that's very interesting. Um, in my head, I would have anticipated it being more of a male-dominated industry, but like you said, maybe I think it's it has changing. historically, but I think it's growing because we are allowing more women to play sports, and we're right. granted more access to participate in a variety of sports, mm -hmm. which then gets your wheels turning. Like, I want to study how to be bigger, faster, stronger, how to be a better athlete, right. um, which just allows more right. women and girls to take those roles, maybe, or to be interested in them, where yeah. before maybe they weren't exposed, so they didn't know that they could study that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if some of it too is like, because I feel like this is happening in, in some place, other places like medicine yeah. um, that have been traditionally maybe more male dominated, but more women are going into it. And I wonder if some of it also is like, you see a need, you know what I mean? Like all you, all the only options you ever have are predominantly to work with a man and you're like wishing that there was a woman to work with. And so you're right. like, well, I gotta be that change. So right. I wonder if some of that plays into it too. 
That's interesting. I think it's probably a lot like our conversation that we had during Black History Month. It's one of those things, if you can see it, you can be it. Right. Right. So, like, if the only sport we watch on TV, because the only sport on during that time frame is, like, the NFL, when everybody is a male and the head trainer is a male and the coaches are a male mm-hmm. and the broadcasters are male, then that's what you see. But as we start to introduce more people to it, like, why can't there be a female head trainer? There's nothing about the science right. that a female right. can't do, right? They can they can be better. They could be better under pressure. There's there's things, right? They shouldn't be limited to that. But so we're starting to see it. And I think that's happening in sport across the board. The viewership is going up on female right. athletes. Um, and I think personally, I've been lucky. Um, when I was at Ball State, it was very male dominated. Historically, it has been. When I got into my doctorate, the two people who ran our lab, our lab were a husband and wife. They did go okay. to Ball State and they met there, but she at the time was, you know, in charge of various programs. And I, you know, saw her as a role model and in that role as a female um, with her PhD at a big research one institute right. where that isn't always the case. Right. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that exposure is key. And maybe you're doing that. I'm sure you're doing that for your students Hopefully. too. Hopefully, I mean really that cool. would be really exciting. Yeah, that's the beauty of teaching, I guess, right? Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna take a little break, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about um, just kind of moving your body and healthy lifestyles and solutions for communities and those kinds of things. So we're going to take a little bit, little break, and then we will be right back. And we can't forget team me, me and me. <laughs> All right. All right. We're back. We're live. And I'm going to try not to talk as much again. So go ahead, ladies. <laughs> So why don't we pick up with a conversation a little bit about the impact of a sedentary lifestyle on your health? Um, Do you think it's ever too late to start exercising? What happens if you've been mostly sedentary and you decide you want to start exercising? Well, when you think about sedentary behavior, it's all about the time that you're doing very low energy expending activities. So us during this pod- podcast, <laughs> not very sedentary. If we were to stand up and have a walking podcast, that would be better for our health, for example. So what we're finding out is the more that you sit and engage in less active activities, the more negative it is on your health. Irregardless of how far you can run or if you mm-hmm. exercise every day that you know, 12 to 16 hours that you're on your butt trumps that 30 minute hard workout or that two hour long run that you do, Mm -hmm. which is really powerful. And we know that the more sedentary you are, the more negative impact it has on pick a health condition, right? Everything from blood pressure, cholesterol to diabetes, type Mm -hmm. two, to osteoporosis, to your mental health as well. So people who are more sedentary, also are more anxious, more depressed, less social. So it impacts everything. And it doesn't matter your age. So if you're sedentary as a kid, you also kind of could potentially fast track those diseases that you think of as adults getting at an earlier age. Yeah. So one of the things that we were talking about during the break actually um, has to do with 
um, kids in Rochester. And so Liz was um, talking about how the RCSD just recently decided to add girls lacrosse, a girls lacrosse program. Um, and we were talking about kind of just access issues and, and how important it is to allow our kids to engage in different sports. Right. Um, so from my women in sport class, I guess I didn't realize how much sport participation uh, or if you're on the management side of sport, how much that impacts your whole life. Yes, you have all the physical benefits of mm -hmm. the movement aspects, but the social skills, the um, handling aspects of being in a challenge or like losing yeah. conflicts. That's the word. Yeah. Um, and just being able to move past that or know what it feels like to work really, really hard for something and to work as a team. Mm -hmm. So when you see that schools are exposing kids to other things, hopefully you're giving someone an opportunity who maybe didn't like, you know, the big five sports, basketball, volleyball, football, but maybe they will like a lacrosse or maybe they will like golf or they will like pickleball or tennis. Um, but you don't know if you're not exposed. Yeah. And I mean, I think about how we started this conversation even where you were like, I, I wasn't an athlete, but right. you were, you, you played a ton of different sports and that obviously impacted. I mean, I have to believe that that impacted where you are today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then we were also talking about kind of going along with that access um, that kids don't seem to want to be involved in sports as much or in the same ways that they used to. I mean, I, at least I remember in my middle and high school, that was a huge thing. Like sports were really important and everybody that was anybody was an athlete of some kind. They were on some kind of a sports team. Um, and I recently switched um, jobs and I am working in a middle high school environment now. And the kids were telling me last week, actually, we had a conversation because they have had to start combining schools because they don't have enough kids in one building to field teams. And so the kids all get bused to one location from all these different schools. And it's just mind boggling to me that that's a change that we're seeing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you see that in the literature just with general physical activity participation, regardless of if it's sport. Mm -hmm. it, it's higher when you're younger. And then that junior that's high, high high school, it kind of goes down and then it might pick back up when you're an adult. And we talk about that in class a lot. Just why is that happening? Well, look, we have all this technology now. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a kid, your parents kind of dictate a little bit more of what you do. And right. if you have active parents, they're yeah. more likely to kind of encourage activity or uh, participation in whatever level sport that they're kind of interested in. Right. And then when you're in middle school and high school, you tend to develop your own thoughts and opinions. Mm -hmm. And depending on your social group, if they're not really active, then you might you feel might that pressure be. to be less active. Or maybe your socialization is through computer games and things that maybe wasn't the same as it was 20 or 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel like they are being social and engaging, just looking different than what we did, right. which was on the field and moving. Right. I know we talk about that sometimes because it's like, that was how you saw your friends, you know, right. and that was how you communicated with your friends because you didn't want to be on the phone, the landline when somebody could pick up and listen in or so like right. everybody had cars and licenses 
it was also cheaper to have those things right. back then. But like those were ways to socialize, like you're saying. And now there's so many other ways that don't involve ever getting up or ever moving. It's interesting. Um, and then I think about like, how do we encourage that in not just young people, but especially in young people, I think. Um, today, some girls were having a conversation about tryouts today for softball and they were really excited. And so we were talking, oh, miss, did you ever play softball? I was like, I didn't actually. Um, and they kind of like stopped talking to me a little bit. And then the conversation contribute to this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then the conversation kind of shifted again. Um, and I was like, well, let me know when your games are, because I would love to come and watch you. And they were like, you would come and watch? And I was like, yeah. And one of my students was like, can you also make sure you bring us, bring money with you so that you can buy us snacks at the snack stand? That's kind of funny. But so one of the other girls was like, she was like, you can't say that. That's so rude. And I was like, kind of, but also I can bring snacks with me. Right. Snack they, but they were like, you would do that? Um, but so like, I think about how do we encourage young people um, especially if they're not our own kids, like I know you're saying, and I agree hundred percent parents have a big impact on that, but how can we as adults also encourage other kids and or adults in our communities to be more active? Yeah. I, I think it can stem from exposure, mm -hmm. right? Like if you don't like what you're exposed to, you're not going to do it. You know, running gets a bad rap, right? right? Like growing up, you missed a basket. What did you do? You run, run a lap. Right. Um, it was kind of a negative thing. So people yeah. always look down on running. They even uh, have so those t-shirts that are like, my sport is your sport's punishment. Like right. people who are runners. But, uh, you know, just yeah. being able to expose kids to a variety of movement-based right. activities. You know, again, it doesn't have to be those things that you only see on mainstream TV to mm -hmm. be active. You can walk, you can bike, you can um, geocache. I was you just going to play frisbee yeah. golf. You could play ultimate frisbee. You could golf. There are a lot of different activities. And I think we kind of get stuck in what we see only on TV or what is only exposed to us. And I think our community centers, at least in the Rochester area, do a really good job with a variety of different activities. Even those kids or youth who like video games, they're doing the exergaming, mm -hmm. you know, and they're having groups where you're a little more active in your video game play. Right. And it's not just sit on Sitting. your butt mm -hmm. and engaging in those behaviors. Right, right. But I really feel that that access where you can instill those behaviors early will then last you a lifetime. They might, you know, fall off a little bit, Right. You know, well, life gets in the way. And, but in the long run, maybe when you're older and you're like, oh, my gosh, health is now really important and valuable to me. Right. You look back and go, hey, I was that active person. Yeah. I can do that again. And you have like a foundation of knowledge or like, yeah, just a, you have a base to go right. off of. Yeah. Um, you had also mentioned during the break. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, is it walk, bike? Brockports. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. So that's a group in Brockport. It was started by a variety of community members and some people on campus. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know, decades ago, probably. Um, and I think they were one of the first in the Rochester area to really look at how their com community was built and what they could do to improve it. So working with local and state 
um, agencies and grants, they've done things to kind of change the structure of their village. Mm -hmm. um, and and what's know, the end goal of it? I think just to encourage the community to move more, drive less. Yeah. They do a huge walk to school day. They probably are the poster child for okay. um, walk to school day mm -hmm. in Monroe County. Okay. It is a big deal. The college gets involved. A lot of the sports gets involved. ton of community volunteers come out. The schools compete for a trophy to see how many kids oh, that's cool. uh, walk to school that day. Mm -hmm. It's a really big event. Uh, and then they do other things to just foster a greater community by getting out and doing things together. They have the farmer's markets. Um, they have uh, free or very affordable bicycle access so you can hop on a bike and go. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do a, a variety of things like that besides, like, let's have more sidewalks and uh bicycle lanes, lanes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a one-two punch of having more ways to get around and then also making them safer and right. publicizing things. I look at our community and sometimes it makes me sad because I could see how there were sidewalks that connected neighborhoods to get to like the high school and middle school and mm -hmm. now they're overgrown mm -hmm. or there's fences put up. Right. Or the sidewalk ends at the village and doesn't go out. And I know that there's a difference in who owns what yeah. and who runs that. But if this sidewalk extended to these other neighborhoods, I guarantee eventually people would use it. Right. You know, my mother-in-law comes and visits and she walks from our neighborhood mm -hmm. all the way into the village. And Does there she really? is not a sidewalk I was just gonna for say there, no. at least a mile and a half. Yeah. You know, or I think about going for a run and I'm like, okay, it's dark out. Right. I got to go in the morning. Right. I guess I'm just going to do laps in my neighborhood because there's nowhere to go that's safe or cars aren't used to seeing someone out and about early in the morning or in, right. in the evening mm -hmm. on the side of a busy road. Yeah. I was actually just going to bring that up because um, Kevin and Liz and Eric and I live, what? three or four miles from each other. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty close. It's, it's, I feel like kind of the perfect distance to go for a run or like we've talked about, you know, we're just going to ride bikes over. It's a right. I visit. thought about that today. I was like, I should ride my bike. Yeah. And I'm like, well, one, it's like 40 mile an hour winds. So maybe not. <laughs> but two, I'm like, I'm going to get hit or I'm going to be so paranoid that I'm going to get ran over. Right. I don't know about that. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, as we get closer to having, our babies, which is still crazy to say. Um, but we have talked about, you know, the town of Greece has this incredible kind of setup with their little splash pad and playground and the library. And we've talked about biking to it and biking home because it's also not far from us. And I'm not a good cyclist. <laughs> so I'm nervous to do it, you know, because it makes me nervous. So it's exciting to hear um, some of the things that Brockport has been able to do to try to make things safer and more accessible. Um, so speaking of having kids, in addition to Liz being a professor at Brockport, she also is a mom to three cutie patooties. <laughs> most days, most of the time. They are very cute. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about how you fit in everything? Because 
having to work, having get, getting to work, I guess I should present this in a different way, getting right. to work, getting to be a mom, um, and then getting to be a runner or not even necessarily just running, but just exercising, moving your body in general. Um, that's a lot of things to balance. So how do you do it all is? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like some days are really successful and others are not in where before maybe those not successful days felt different mm -hmm. or now it's like you got to move on like can't dwell that you missed that you have to maybe have a better workout the next day mm -hmm. um but i think it it's just prioritizing yourself mm -hmm. your health you can't be a great parent you can't be a great spouse or significant other if you're not feeling healthy and not feeling like you can keep up mm -hmm. so that's always in the back of my head um is i need to do this not just for myself but to be there for my family to be able to um keep up with them mm -hmm. um when we play or when we go and do things you know yeah. we go to the canal and they're on their bikes and i can't keep up i'm right. in trouble right um so i have had to think about and you know ask for that support even like is it and i don't know maybe it's a, a parent guilt but like can i take this time out for myself i took you know i slept in today instead of getting up in the pitch black to go and exercise is that oh you know can i squeeze it in here right um and then luckily with work being a professor of exercise science i feel like i have to make it a priority for work because i'm trying to encourage my students mm -hmm to also preach this positive behavior. So I get that added pressure of like having to do that for work um, right. as well. And my job does allow me to be a little bit more flexible. So if I can't do something from home, I can try and fit it in mm. at work. Yeah. Um, and I think about how you, you know, you keep talking about being the example for your students, but also you're an example for your three kids. So like showing oh, yeah. them that as we all get older, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, better than the alternative, I guess. But as we get older, just because you're getting older doesn't mean that you have to switch into a sedentary lifestyle. Like you can right. still continue to be really active and it's important and it's healthy. And it's setting them up for having really healthy habits as they get older also. Right. You're kind of being that role model for them. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not always talking, they're always watching what you oh, do yeah. and imitating or not thinking that it's weird mm -hmm. that we're going out to the park or we went to the trampoline place today because it was a different form of activity to keep them entertained. And then I got to also, you know, bounce around and like chase <laughs> them and, and be a kid for a minute. Right. So is there anything else that you want to talk about as far as what you do, your profession, kinesiology, anything like that? Did we cover everything? I think so. Now I feel like I'm on the spot. I, don't really, <laughs> I mean, I guess like, <laughs> I guess one thing as being a, a busy parent and knowing that our family's no longer growing mm -hmm. and kind of how to get maybe back into the, sh not the shape, but like uh, to meet the fitness goals that I have for myself now. 
um, when the time allows for exercise, they're definitely more focused. Yeah. You know, like when I think back when we first met in, for me, I went from marathon to significantly, well, not significantly, but longer distances mm-hmm. or um, would run casually all the time, but not have as much of a focus. We're now with kids in a job in all these other things that time is really precious. So the, the workouts are more focused and more strategic. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, like we'd go meet at Menden at 8 a.m. and get home at like 1 p.m. Yeah, I cannot say, do that. For... And it was just running. Yeah. It wasn't like we were running to reach uh, right. a certain heart rate or a certain speed or right. anything like that. It was just pure socially running for hours. Yeah. Um, where now it's like, all right, today I had 30 minutes and I had to go get my kid and that was it. So what were those 30 minutes going to be? Right. And how does that fit into my larger goal Goals. or plan right. or whatever I'm working for? What is yeah. your larger race goal right now? Um, my first one's going to be a little half marathon. I haven't done one in a while. A little half marathon. No well, way. it is. <laughs> I feel like sometimes when you do much larger things, yeah. you know, but that's going to be my first I think trail running on maybe since we did the midnight or the oh yeah midsummer nights. nights and that was as a relay yeah but I've had a kid since then and it takes a while I think or at least for me to have gotten back in that shape and or the fitness level that I want and the being comfortable with like okay I'm gonna go and do this for myself right um, to do that so I've been working harder than I have in the past to prepare for this event because I signed my kids up for the kids race and the kids race starts <laughs> two hours after the half marathon starts. So, so I moves. have this pressure where I can't just enjoy this <laughs> experience, but I want to get back because I want to see them start. Right. Which I don't know if that's really feasible, but I at least want to see them end the kids right. race. So it's like, I'm doing this for myself, but I also want to be there and support them for them. Well, I'll be there. As the me part of the relay. I was oh, just about to, I was just about to say, I know what Eric is dying over here. Um, so we had um I think me team me, Shmi and V mm-hmm. came up. Did it come up before Cast or after Shadow. Cast of Shadow? But was that before or after our first ultra together? I think Cast of Shadow was first. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it was. So we and was cast a shadow before or after we decided to run our first ultra? I think it was before. What's the timing? Okay. So we had registered for cast a shadow, which was this really fun snowshoe race. Yeah, they should do that again. They should. Well, I guess it should snow. I was just going to say, first. we're going to have to move north for that to be a, a thing, I think. But um, so we had registered for a snowshoe relay that Goose Adventure Racing used to put on. And everybody took turns running a loop. In the woods and our team name was me shmi and the eric was the me i'm the me i'm the shmi and liz was the me um but that has kind of stuck like i think that's our group text yep we name. did it, we did it again at, at uh midsummer nights midsummer. Yep. Yep. um and after cast a shadow we had had a really good time it was a fun day and we went out 
to Beale Street, which I don't think oh, even exists. Yeah. It doesn't even exist anymore. I forgot that part. Oh my gosh. And had a few drinks. Had some drinks, listened to a horrible harmonica player. It was real was bad. More than a few drinks. Yeah. I mean, I remember the restaurant, but I don't remember the <laughs> harmonica player. All I know is that you came to us, Liz, and you were like, I've been looking at this 50K and I think we should do it. And so we were like, Because the name was funny. Yes, and because oh, it was yeah. called... I don't even remember. The dirty <laughs> German. Oh yeah, the dirty German. I still wear the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and we had, I think we had like nine or ten weeks until race date. I think we were running like eight miles was our long run at the time, and we were like, we can definitely do this. I'm sure this was fueled partially by the drinks. Mm, but it, we did it. I was no, just gonna say, so but we fun. did it. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, we we tourist in. I was uh, just gonna say we went down to Philly. We ran something over in the car on the way there. Oh, yeah, I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, the tire gator. <laughs> gator tire, whatever they call it down there. Yeah. And you hit a tire on the yeah. side of the road. So, but yeah, and now so, we're here. And, and here we are. So we are excited to cheer you on. So you'll be running yes. at Medved Madness, yes. the full, yep. the long course. The long course. If I can get myself put together, I'll be doing the short course. And you will be? I'll be cheerleading. Cheerleading. With the babies. And Kevin. And, belly. and Kevin. And Kevin. And the kids. Yes. And then we can help out with the kids race, too. Yeah. Maybe I'll enter the kids race. <laughs> get smoked by a five-year-old. <laughs> Make sure no one gets lost. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. So someone's going to have a meltdown. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so is, is that a good spot for I us think, to, to wrap up? I think that that's a great spot to wrap up. Thank you so much, Liz, for joining us today. Well, thanks for yeah. having me. So I have a few notes. Uh, I know we touched today a little bit on um, being a mom and running. I know it wasn't the focus of today's episode, but next week, um, Sophie Kotak is going to join us, and we're going to talk about that whole process. Not we, mostly Sheila and, and Sophie, about running while pregnant, being a mom, um, postpartum running yeah, nursing what what can races add to, to make, make it, it things a little more accepting mm -hmm. for new moms or pregnant ladies and women in general um so that's all going to be next week so we're pretty excited about that and then i have a few just a quick reminder that registration is open for all of our races they're over on trailsrock.org in 10 days from today we celebrate our birthday as an Ooh. organization i think we're turning 11. we will have a birthday run down in mendon ponds there's going to be a, a hike a 5k run and a 10k run those are all going to be led either by board members or our ambassadors so come on out any pace is really welcome for that find out where you think you fit and join us for one of those hike 5k or 10k options and cake after yep and all the information on trailsrock.org <laughs> and we're going to have birthday cakes so you got to join us for that um and then one last thing we recently added a calendar to our website that we are uploading all of the local trail races too as one local resource so you don't have to go looking at all the different places to find out where the runs are um you know some are on run sign up some are on ultra sign up some you know fleet feed has a website medved has a website we have we're going to put them all in one calendar um, so if you check out that calendar and you see something mi missing shoot us a message and we'll get that updated and then you know it's just another resource for the community so that's it we'll be back next week with sophie um, thanks for listening today, everybody. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Sounds great. <laughs>